We got to answer some tough questions about Penn State football. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition of Locked On Nittany Lines. Uh, as a friendly reminder, you can now watch the podcast on YouTube. That is right. If you are not subscribed already, subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lines on YouTube. Hit the bell so that you get notified whenever there is a new episode. Uh, but as always, you can take the podcast with you on the go with the audio version wherever you get your podcasts, as always. In today's episode, we're going to answer some tough questions about the Nittany Lion football team. Some that are good, that have been debatable throughout the season. Uh, some that actually get tough and have some implications going into the offseason. We'll save that tougher one for last. So a few questions to get the show started, and then I'll finish up with my recap of Penn State men's basketball over Winthrop yesterday. Penn State had a resounding win. And if you missed it, go check out the previous episode from Monday. I recapped the Penn State-Indiana game. I uh, gave you eight takeaways, but also gave a brief preview about Penn State men's basketball. This team is loaded with talent. They have a lot of depth in the backcourt, and it showed they are playing much faster. I gave you a little secret about the team that Micah Shrewsbury and company didn't want people to know about, and now it's all in full force. So buy in while you can. This Penn State men's basketball team is a lot better than advertised, and they're going to play a lot faster than they did a year ago. But that recap is in our final segment today. All right, so let's get into some of those questions about Penn State football and jump right into this one. Should Drew Aller start a game for Penn State football this season? My answer is no. No, he should not. And as much as I want him to, uh, that means that Sean Clifford would need to go out because of an injury uh, or for whatever reason or for poor play. And we definitely don't want that to happen. We don't want Sean Clifford uh, to really perform badly here down the stretch of the season with Maryland Rutgers and Michigan State, three of which are all very winnable games. Uh, but let's start with a few reasons why I don't think Drew Aller should start through the remainder of the season. Uh, the first part is I want to ask a question back to you, the audience. When did we all come to believe that in-game experience is the only way for a freshman quarterback to get better? Because C.J. Stroud didn't get this kind of treatment. Bryce Young didn't get this kind of treatment. Like, Drew Aller is only able to get better at football is if he plays and takes snaps away from Sean Clifford. And that's just not the case. It might feel that way because you want him to perform well on game day when he does hypothetically start all 12 games, 13, you should 13. We want to speak that into existence, right? That Penn state's going to make a bowl game. Honestly, we should say 14 <laughs> so that we manifest the uh, big 10 championship going into next year. However, Drew Aller is somebody that can get better outside of the game itself. I mean, this is his full-time job for crying out loud, even though this is amateur football. these are uh, It's supposed to be part-time, but the way that they work, 
the way that they study, the way that they perfect their craft. It basically is a full-time job. Drew Aller is getting better because they practice five days a week. There's off-season programs. There's film sessions, film studies. They are always working on their craft. So this idea that Drew Aller can only get better is if he plays uh, a, a quarter and a half or even more on Saturdays against a mediocre Big Ten team or a MAC team is just not the case. Yes, any experience is good experience. I think that I think that's very true and that's very valuable and I totally understand where people are coming from. But let's also not forget that they work around the clock and all the practices, the off-season programs, spring ball, that is truly where players get better. I'm not saying that you can't in the middle of the season. We have seen that. We've seen a guy like Nicholas Singleton, for example, get better as the season has gone along with some of the aspects of his game that he struggled with. We've seen Kobe King, for example, who had a great game against Indiana, is now progressing and getting better at his craft. But for Drew Aller, uh, the, the only way for a quarterback to get better is if he gets snaps late in the game. It, it's just not the case in Oddly enough, collectively, all of us together have been blindsided by that. And I think we're uh, we're getting too far away from how players can actually become better versions of themselves. And Penn State is really the only team I can think of that has made a consistent effort to try to get Drew Aller on the field or their future quarterback. When have we ever seen a program do this? It wasn't done with Bryce Young. Mac, Mac Jones started the entire time. And then Bryce Young had to wait his turn. Justin Fields at Ohio State. You didn't see Justin Fields getting benched in the fourth quarter when they were up by a boatload. And so, all right, we got to let's bring in CJ Stroud. Let's bring him in. He's got to get some snaps. He's going to be the quarterback of the future. I get it. Different circumstances. Sean Clifford's not, it wasn't in discussions to be a top pick in next year's draft. Uh, Drew Aller is a five-star quarterback, and though Christian Hackenberg didn't have the career that we all thought he would, but we haven't seen that kind of high-profile quarterback uh, since Christian Hackenberg come into the program, and before that, Anthony Morelli. That's uh, a, a name drop there you probably didn't expect uh, to have on your Locked On Nittany Lions bingo card, but what I'm getting at is these, these freshman quarterbacks, these high school recruits that were so highly touted, and then you, you want them to turn out better than a Christian Hackenberg or a Anthony Morelli, for example. A Rob Bolden is another one that comes to mind that was highly touted, just didn't exactly pan out as the way you thought he would. But getting him into the game, bottom line, is not the only way to make him a better quarterback. Uh, on top of that, Sean Clifford still remains the better quarterback at this given moment. He's just giving Penn State the best chance to win from start to finish. A 24-year-old Sean Clifford on this given day, November 8th, 2022, is ahead of an 18-year-old, 19-year-old Drew Aller, a true freshman Drew Aller. Uh, do I think that Drew Aller is an incredible prospect and has insane arm talent? Absolutely. He's miles ahead of where he should be. Quarterbacks don't typically develop this fast. Uh, see a Trevor Lawrence as the only guy that you, you really see come along this quickly and this fast. Uh, but the players or coaches are saying this. This isn't just me trying to say that Sean Clifford doesn't deserve to be out there or Drew Aller should really be pushing for his spot or his snaps. No, that's just not the case. Uh, Drew Aller, uh, they respect him a lot, but people still see Sean Clifford as the leader of this locker room. Uh, so 
with that in mind and the way that Sean Clifford is able to lead this team week in and week out, uh, it's hard to just bench him just because you want to see the freshman a little bit early. And I know this, <laughs> this isn't the fun thing to say, right? Um, I'm probably boring people with this answer. But my last part of this is, where do you put in Drew to start? You don't start him against Maryland because Sean is the better quarterback. Hypothetically, you could technically start him against Rutgers. But again, what what does that ultimately do? You're just benching Sean Clifford for no reason. And you're really starting Drew Aller for no reason uh, other than to say, well, we started him. And then are you really going to be that disrespectful and start him on senior day over Sean Clifford? who's been a senior for how many years now? But besides the point, his last game at Beaver Stadium, would you really consider doing that? Some people might. Some people don't have a lot of empathy and sympathy for Sean Clifford. I get that. Uh, but it doesn't really seem like you should do that. You shouldn't be doing that. I agree with James Franklin and the fact that Sean Clifford has earned the right to be on the football field. Just for right now, he still is the best quarterback that Penn State has for this season. Uh, it's fair to let him play the remainder of this scene of his senior season, his final senior season. He doesn't have another one and Sean will be gone in four games. He's not going to be here after the bowl game. Then it's Drew's job. And then everybody can celebrate and I'll finish it up with this. No, Drew is not entering the transfer portal. I've seen that rumor going around that. Well, he's not getting enough playing time and feels like he should be playing over Sean Clifford. That is not even what I'm remotely hearing. I'm hearing that he is handling this extremely well, that he's enjoying the, his time at the program and just eager of to, to get through, to pay his dues and become the starter and earn it on his own. He is not, he's not jumping in the transfer portal at the end of this season. All right, that moves us to our second question. Should Katron Allen outplay Nicholas Singleton? And by that, I mean snap counts, handoffs, catches out of the backfield, whatever have you. Basically, how involved should he be in the offense? Because believe it or not, even though Katron Allen has been the better back as of late, Nicholas Singleton is still out snapping him, outplaying him. Uh, against Indiana this past Saturday, Nicholas Singleton logged 43 snaps compared to Katron Allen's 33. So that still shows that James Franklin, Mike Yersich, and Penn State Still believe in Nicholas Singleton as being a feature type of back. I mean, look, they can both be featured backs. They can split the carries and split the reps. And that's, I, I don't think one should outsnap the other. On a given day, sure, if something's working a little more, uh, if you're playing a slower team, a team that just lacks overall speed, then I want Nicholas Singleton get more, getting more of the touches. If you're playing a team that is more finesse and they lack that physical advantage, then run Katron Allen up the middle on some inside zone. So it's kind of on the given day who they're playing. Uh, Maryland's got a lot of team speed, for example. I want to see maybe a little more of Katron Allen, not, not necessarily out snap, but maybe just get some more carries uh, when it truly matters most. But you're going to continue to see a balance because they're players that complement each other. Singleton's the lightning, Katron's the thunder. Uh, these two just complement each other so well, and the strengths of their game balance everything out offensively. So they, they're two different skill sets, and I think we should be appreciating them as Penn State fans 
moving forward and just in general. My name is Zach Seiko, and you're listening to Locked On Nittany Lions, and you can watch the show as well on YouTube. Subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube.com. When we come back on this episode, we're going to continue answering some questions about Penn State football as we get later into the season, and one of them's a little controversial and something we should be thinking about. It might set up for some interesting conversation in the offseason. Plus, I'm going to recap Penn State men's basketball's win over Winthrop later on in the show. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Brenton Strange's catch through an Indiana defender. 24 to 7, 950 to go in the third quarter, and Brenton Strange just wraps around the defender, pins the football against him, and somehow ends up with the catch. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Nittany Lines. You can follow my personal account as well, at Zach underscore Seiko, and you can watch the show now. Subscribe to the YouTube page, Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube. You can hit the bell for notifications so that you're up to date with all the new episodes. All right, answering the fun questions about Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. Let's answer some other ones, and this one is around the offensive line. Is Penn State's offensive line in bad shape? Well, they might be. With all the injuries that say they've sustained, I mean, James Franklin put it as they're experiencing a lot of bumps and bruises. And that is definitely true because even the guys that are out there aren't 100% healthy. I think Juice Scruggs might be the only starting offensive lineman that seems to be pretty close to 100%. And I say that because nobody at this point in the football season is truly 100% unless you're coming back from an injury uh, and you've rehabbed it pretty well to this point. Everyone's banged up with bumps and bruises, but Sal Wormley is definitely not 100%. And he's been uh, slated at right guard a majority of the time. You've seen Bryce Efner cycle in there just to give him a break. But then Caden Wallace went down and they looked at Sal and said, we're going to need you to go back out there because you at 75, 80% is better than the next guy. And then Bryce, because Bryce Hefner had to move back out to right tackle. But uh, even he has experienced some bumps and bruises along the way. Then you have Hunter Norzad, who was rolled up by Sean Clifford in the game on it unintentionally, unintentionally. But he got rolled up on by a fellow player and somehow was able to come back into the game. But he's definitely not 100%. We haven't seen any bit of Landon Tangwall since that mysterious injury. He just sustained something in warmups against Michigan. And we haven't even seen him at practice since. It is really weird. Olu Fashion, who played the full game against Ohio State, played one of his best games in memory in the biggest spot, was hurt on the last drive of the game, hasn't been seen since. So you have guys like Drew Shelton and J.B. Nelson with limited experience. They want to redshirt these guys, and they've been forced into the ball game. 
Now, Drew Shelton has been getting a lot of praise from James Franklin and from people across the internet and in reports, but I don't know that Drew Shelton actually had as good of a game as we thought he did. He was actually the lowest graded lineman for Penn State, according to Pro Football Focus. And some people have criticisms about that website. Uh, I think it's something to it, you need to be able to grade uh, football players and basketball players on a different type of scale to understand the full complexity of the performance. And while Drew Shelton didn't have anything egregious by any means, but there were some plays where I thought like, OK, this is a freshman mistake and he's going to make those. I get that. Uh, but he played the full game. He played 87 snaps. He had 42 of them that were pass blocks, zero quarterback hits, zero sacks, but he did allow four pressures. And I don't think he was actually as strong in run blocking as we might be led to believe. Uh, there were guys that when they knew that they were going to run to the left side, they had an extra tight end over there. They used a lot of Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson out of the backfield as essentially a fullback. I remember a goal line play where Nicholas Singleton scored. They actually swung Bryce Efner around to that left side and placed him next to uh, Drew Shelton. So it's not that Drew Shelton had a bad game by any stretch. Of, well, PFF says he didn't really do that well, but for a freshman this was a good performance. Can you build on it so that you can have an even better one? I also think that against tougher competition, this combination, this makeshift offensive line for Penn State might not be able to fly much longer. Fortunately, they're in a case where you're playing Maryland, you're playing Rutgers, you're playing Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State and Maryland might pose a bigger threat along the line of scrimmage, I don't don't really know so much about Rutgers. I don't think they pose a threat to anything or anybody anywhere, uh, and that's fine. But uh, when you get to that bowl game, and if the offensive line isn't a little more intact, when you play a formidable opponent that's going to have some uh, better pressure in the trenches, well, that's not going to go well for Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, whoever's back there at quarterback. Uh, so Penn State's got to get healthy ASAP. Hopefully, Olu Fashion, who doesn't have to miss extended time. We're starting to see how valuable a guy like Caden Wallace is. And I, I don't know what's wrong with Landon Tangwall, but Hunter Norzad and JB Nelson have actually performed very well to this point. Hopefully, Norzad is okay. Uh, another question, this actually flips over the defense. We focused a lot on offense here with quarterback, running back, and offensive line. But should there be a change at Mike Linebacker? Should there be a new starter? And I wholeheartedly say yes. I think that Kobe King should be the starting middle linebacker as the Mike, and you should have Abdul Carter as the off-ball linebacker, and you should have Curtis Jacobs as the on-ball linebacker, where he played all of last season because he's very familiar with it. They moved Curtis Jacobs over. They saw how good Abdul Carter was, and then they put Abdul Carter in that spot and moved Jacobs back over. If you have all three of those guys lining up on the field at the same given time, you, I, I don't know how many plays are going to be able to get. They, they just run sideline to sideline so well. And to have that kind of speed again and that physicality, uh, sure, you lack a little bit of experience with Kobe King and Abdul Carter, but they look mature beyond their years as linebackers. So I am fully comfortable with putting Kobe King in a more a maximized role at the Mike linebacker. This is nothing against Tyler Elsden. Tyler Elsden has played good to this point, but we've seen him lack that sideline speed where he's getting beat through the hole, where he's not making the play because he's a, he's a step or two behind. 
Kobe King doesn't have that. He's going to beat the running back to the point of the attack most times rather than not. Uh, but the reason Kobe King wasn't in this situation is because he was struggling. Wasn't I wouldn't say struggling, but Tyler Elsden understood the position better, was better as the quarterback of the defense because that's what the Mike linebacker is. But if Kobe King has closed that gap and he's much more comfortable with that, put him out there. Put him out there as the starting Mike linebacker and have Elsden work in more of a multiple complementary type of role where he can be a backup to the uh, strong side linebacker and be a backup to Curtis Jacobs. And then you can bring him in as the Mike when Kobe King needs a breather. I think that's a more I think that's a better role for him anyway, uh, because he's still very smart and you need him out there on the football field. All right, this is the question that I don't think has been brought up yet, and it's something that I've kind of talked to with colleagues and friends that really like this Penn State football team, and it is, should fans be concerned about Manny Diaz leaving for another head coaching job in the offseason? In, sh in short, the answer is yes. I, Manny Diaz has really turned this Penn State squad around. Not that it never really lost any steam because Brent Pry worked out so well for Penn State over the past seven years. But for Manny Diaz to come in and put his stamp on this defense and really adapt some of the players that he inherited, uh, there are going to be some schools calling. I wouldn't be surprised if a Nebraska calls, uh, even an Auburn. I think an Auburn would be foolish to not give Manny Diaz a call. I don't want them to. I want Manny Diaz to stick around as the DC for many years to come, but he wants to get back into head coaching. I mean, that's what he was. He was essentially forced out at Miami of Florida. They basically looked at him and said, well, we found somebody better. We don't really like you. Uh, adios. We'll see you later. And, I think that Manny Diaz ultimately wants to get back into that same role, that same spot, and lead another program with what he's learned uh, through those humbling experiences because I think he was uh, unfortunately wrongfully terminated by Miami. But uh, someone's trash is somebody else's treasure, and that's exactly what he's been to Penn State. So I would really hate to see him go after just one season, but he will definitely at least interview. And I think Mike Yersich might even interview as well, but it's just a matter of if they leave. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition Tuesday. When we come back, I'm going to talk about Penn State men's basketball's emphatic win over Winthrop. Final score, 93-68. to Let's unpack all of it next. Today's episode is sponsored by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. My name is Zach Seiko. Our final segment on this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions, and that is going to be centered around the Nittany Lion basketball team that starts 1-0 after last night's win in the Bryce Jordan Center. 93-68 to over Winthrop. I tried to tell you. I tried. Penn State men's basketball is a completely different team, and I thought this was very well said by Steve Jones. He's the radio voice of Penn State football and men's basketball and a colleague of mine listening to his broadcast. And he said, Micah Shrewsbury is about to show us all that you can win a basketball game in more ways than one. And boy, is that true. I, I can always appreciate a coach that is able to adapt his system 
to the players that he has and not a coach that makes the players adapt to him. I mean, that's what separates good coaching from great coaching, right? Uh, so this team is going to play fast and they're going to push the pace and they shot a bunch of threes. I mean, let's start with Jalen Pickett. Jalen Pickett is the man. He's going to lead this team in minutes every night. He was playing close to 38, 39, almost 40 minutes every given night. Uh, and probably with all the depth they have in the backcourt, he's going to be able to take some time off and play closer to maybe 30 or just below 35. But you need him out there. Like he's the guy, he's the ball handler, the point guard, and he led the team in scoring. 23 points, five rebounds, five assists. He plays great defense. He truly does it all. The addition of Andrew Funk really comes in handy because now you have more of a shooting threat outside of just Miles Dredd. So teams don't just have to factor for one guy. They got to factor in for somebody else who's really automatic from the corner. Those two, Andrew Funk and Miles Dredd, combined for 10 three-pointers last night. 22 points for Funk, 12 for Miles Dredd. Uh, and that when you are playing in transition and playing as fast as Penn State is, you're going to see more threes in transition like that. And it's nice to have an Andrew Funk who transferred over from Bucknell and Miles Dredd who came back and used his extra year of eligibility. Another takeaway from that game includes uh, no freshman in the starting lineup, which doesn't necessarily surprise me. I thought that a guy like Keva Jai might start, but Starting doesn't matter as much in basketball. It's about how many minutes you get. And the freshmen really didn't play all that much. Keba Jai logged 10 minutes. That was the most by any of the freshmen. And he had four personal fouls. So I think he would have played a little more had he had a better night in that regard. But scored four points, had some rebounds, did it did a little bit of uh, everything in that game, especially picking up uh, one too many fouls there. Uh, you had you saw Evan Mahaffey get into the ball game. Jameel Brown got in late. Kendall Clary did as well, and Clary's more of that defensive guy. Same with Mahaffey. Uh, but Jameel Brown can be a scorer. With it being a crowded backcourt, you're really not going to see as much of Kendall Clary and Evan Mahaffey. You're going to see more of a Demetrius Lilly and a Keva Jai, for example, just because they're not really that deep in the front court. And when they need to go big, you're going to have to turn to Lilly and Jai uh, in some com uh, in some increased roles. I'm actually surprised a little bit about Jameel Brown. I guess that just tells you re it reinforces the idea of how talented and how deep that Penn State backcourt is with all the guards uh, that they do have. I love the way this team plays. I think they can really win some good basketball games this year. Uh, and even if they aren't perfect at all points in time, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. So if you like scoring, if you were getting sick and tired of the who who could score 61st last year, uh, that is all thrown out the window. This Penn State team is going to push the pace. They're going to try to score 80, 90, uh, even up to 100 if they can on any, any given night. And I love it. The next game is Thursday, November 10th, just a couple days away. It's in the Bryce Jordan Center, and it's against Loyola, Maryland. That should be another easy win for Penn State, and we'll see this off on full display trying to score as many points as possible and the tip-off is at 7 p.m. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can now watch the show on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel there as well. And follow the accounts on Twitter. My personal one, at Zach underscore Seiko. You can see it on the YouTube screen if you're watching the show, uh, but it is at Zach underscore Seiko, Z-A-C-H-S-E-Y-K-O, if you are, in fact, listening. 
Tomorrow, we talk about James Franklin's weekly press conference. He's giving that today, and I'll react to it tomorrow here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.